Hello all and welcome to edition 134 and the season finale of On The Ball. How does it end? We're about to find out. The hospital pass of the Norwich City podcast world. I'm Michael Bailey. I cover the Canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, one last time, Temu Puki Baby, boo! And all the fun you would expect from our own mucking about on our own field of dreams. One last time, we'll work through all that and more with our season finale guests who are Norwich number one chief at NCFC Numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders, who has to unmute himself. Good evening, Michael. Forgot I was doing that bit. Yeah, I always forget that you have to do that as well. Uh, we also have joining us tonight, former Norwich City head of content and program editor. It is, oh, you've got to unmute yourself as well, Daniel Brigham. Good evening, Michael. And hello, Steve, and to everyone listening. Joyous stuff. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, we may be joined by others over the course of the evening. Who knows? <laughs> um, uh, Zoe, Zoe, make a uh, friend of the pod. Uh, Zoe, Zoe Morgan may well join us too. Uh, we shall see. She might be on a train. She might not manage it. She did give us uh, some of her favorite moments of the season. So I will remember to say those before the pod is done tonight. And also, um, we should wish uh, Zoe's dad a speedy recovery. I think he's been unwell, but he will be fine. So a speedy recovery to Zoe's dad. Yeah. Sending you all the Norwich City energy and love from on the ball. Thanks for joining us, everyone. <laughs> how are we all doing? Steve, how are you? Very well. You sounded like you're about to close the podcast there with that with that long dramatic pause. Shall we shall we just end it? I don't know whether we need to say any more on this season. Um no, I feel like feel like people have turned up to watch and uh, good on them for doing that. Um there is quite a, a big football game going on at the moment. So so why people would want to go over the wreckage of this season again, I don't know. But uh yeah, I think I think it'll be um if not a celebration, then maybe like a wake for this season I, I don't know um although that would imply that that we that we like who you know that we're going to mourn it which we're obviously not so maybe just a wake for somebody for an old relative who nobody, nobody <laughs> what an analogy this is keep going uh steve uh, just for the for the uh for the uh, audio listeners uh, i should say you are wearing your home norwich city shirt but you are wearing a black sort of cardigan over it to try and cover up as much of it as possible. Yeah, that's that's the shame. Um, <laughs> oh, even though I'm here on my own, uh, you know, we've had some good outfits this season from a lot of the guests, and I I very rarely make any efforts. So I thought I would go to the effort of putting on an Orange City shirt. So, well, I mean, who can I, I assume the I assume the black uh, jacket over the top of it is because it's funereal as well, and yes, we are it, in mourning for the season. We are in mourning for this wonderful season, uh, but the memories will will last for a lifetime. They, they will be etched on our heads. Um, I mean, included in all the great outfits this season, of course, your Christmas tree with its blue lights. So um, we shouldn't <laughs> forget that either. Uh, Dan, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Michael. Good. I've just switched off the uh, live feed of the Man City game, so I'm fully committed to uh, maybe having sort of a cathartic chat, hopefully, about the season. Have you have you paused it, or are you just going to have to return to it once? No, nope, it's gone, so yeah, oh, I'm just going to be in the dark. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> well, let's just try and get this over and done with as quickly as possible, shall we? Um, 
Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks, everyone out there for watching and listening. Uh, you can watch the podcast uh, live on um, your chosen social media platform, as long as it's one of the ones we're broadcasting on uh, live. Uh, and if you are, then we do want to hear from you over the course of the podcast. That can be on whatever you want from a Norwich City perspective. Ask questions of us if you so wish, or you can just tell us what you think. Either is good. Uh, Steve will be monitoring those over the course of the pod. Uh, if you want to contribute um, and you are listening in the future, then that's fine too. Send us an email to Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com. Of course, it's worth bearing in mind, uh, might take a while for us to get back to you in that instance, but we will read the email. <laughs> Let that be known. Um, also, um, we've got, uh, I mentioned it on last week's podcast, uh, it finishes at 11.59 p.m. on Tuesday night. It is the auction uh, for the signed Norwich City shirt. It's here. I showed it last week. It's got Tammy Pookie's signature on it. There's also a signed Norwich City training EFL football that they used in training at Colney. I don't think that one is signed by Tammy Pookie because I couldn't find his signature on it. It has got Gabby Sarah's signature on it. and He's player of the year. So um, they are going, um, and that's all to raise money for little Tommy, who um, uh, has been diagnosed with uh, Prada Willy syndrome, um, and uh, it will take um, uh, money to care for him in future and to give him the best possible life. So uh, raising money for those. Uh, leading bids at the moment, I think the ball is at £170 and the shirt is at £300, which is amazing, absolutely amazing. Obviously, if you've heard that and gone, ha! I've got more money than that and I want those things. Then just uh, send me a direct message on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, whichever. You just need to do so before 11.59 p.m. tonight. Um, there will be a timestamp on it. I probably won't be awake, uh, but then we'll sort that all out tomorrow. So um, good luck. Get your bids in if you wish. Um, and it's a wonderful cause for little Tommy. Uh, that is all of our admin. We can't put it off any longer. Let's crack on with this week's as he just tees up the clip. Headline act. Yes, it's over. Both Norwich City season and Temu Bookie's Canaries career. Uh, I feel like we should pay tribute to Temu first, if that's okay. Um, so, Steve, how good... Has he really been? And where is his place in Norwich City history? Oh, he's obviously massive, massively overrated. Um, <laughs> we no. didn't want him here for the last six months, so, you know. Was I wrong? Uh, no, I think, um, I mean, I, I try and think back. I try not to um, have too much um, recency bias with this. Um, have we had a better striker than Tamu Puki in the 20 years I've been watching? I don't think so. Um 88 goals, obviously, that that uh, stands on its own. Um, but also, I think the intelligence, the um, the movement, the ability to play off the shoulder of um, of the defender, the fact that he was never offside, hardly hardly ever offside, playing the way that he did, um, and you know, just the impact. You know, obviously, kind of a lot of the stats that I put out over the weekend um, hopefully gave an indication of what he did over his five seasons. Obviously, the initial 29-goal season was incredible. We probably will never see the like of that again. Um, but equally, he scored something like 40% of our goals in our two Premier League seasons, which 
as well incredible I think you know the the two seasons he had in terms of contributions by an individual player over the last five seasons were first and third um, of all Premier League clubs so like his impact was amazing but the other thing was uh, just another thing that I pulled out in that thread he was almost always available as well like um, the run when we were so incredible in that first season he was on the pitch for um, 82 goals in a row in all competitions which for a centre forward is amazing because they so regularly get subbed off or rested he was always available and we only scored when he played so I mean there's there's so many things that you could say about his his impact really um but yeah I I I think obviously it's it's going to leave a hole um and what was it yesterday yesterday was incredibly sad and it felt like the end of an era but um I think there's been there's been talk about you know five legendary players who should be on the what is it like a Oh yes, the new banner that's going the to replace. Well, there, there's two spaces, aren't there? I think on the south stand, uh, where Gabby Sara and Andrew Bamadeli are stood resplendent right now. Obviously, you know they might get sold. <laughs> so quick, we need new banner. Let's uh, let's do a legends banner because they won't be sold. Um, uh, yeah, like, I don't know who, who are the. You can vote for anyone on that, but are there? Can you or can you? I. I'm not sure. Dan's nodding. Yeah, kind of, you could, um, yeah, you could write. It, it wasn't a tick box. You could uh, just write whoever you wanted on there. I think yeah, it had to be a former player now, which obviously Timu sadly is. Well, I'm I'm picking Timu as uh, definitely as one of my five. It was inter- it's interesting because I um oh yeah, so five spaces. I've got it. So um. I did a interview with a Swedish Swedish <laughs> that would have been strange a Finnish newspaper. <laughs> forgotten where it comes from already. <laughs> ah. uh, a Finnish. I, by the way, I, I don't think Finland is in Scandinavia, so it's not. I, I, um, David Wagner does need to stop keep calling him Scandinavian. Although I suppose he will now because he's left. Um, but uh, yeah, I did an interview with a Finnish newspaper, which was so lovely. It was I've sort of sat in the city stand at Carrow Road, um, just finished the press stuff and did that quickly with them. And I read it back today because he, he sent me it and I translated it from Finnish. And um, there was a line at the end where it was obviously me quoted, where I had said uh, I was struggling to think of a more a more influential player in Norwich City's history. And I thought, <laughs> I feel like that's probably a bit overblown. I've got a bit carried away there. But then I suppose, you know, then maybe there are some, but it would take a lot to be more impactful than than Tamer, wouldn't it, Dan? I mean, I swear it wasn't just him either. It was obviously Emmy had a really big impact, but then maybe for a shorter period. I, you know, like Steve said with all the numbers there, you know, that his contribution to two Premier League seasons, and Norwich have only had a handful as it is, and, and then getting them to two titles, which they haven't done in quick succession, I don't think, in their history. Maybe I was right. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly got to be up there in the conversation, hasn't he? So, I guess Dave Stringer for long-lasting impact as a player with promotion. That was the one, as, that, was the one that came into my head. I was like, well, Dave Stringer, <laughs> Dave Stringer, though. Um, Huckabee as well, but he only managed it once, one promotion with us as well. So, yeah, I mean, he's got to be up there in, in the conversation, especially as someone who was bought as a free, very famously was was bought as an attacking midfielder as well. So then suddenly turning to Norwich City's fourth all-time highest goal scorer is, is just an, an incredible legacy as well. And um, obviously quite a sad way for him to depart. Not many footballers get the opportunity to depart on a high, uh, unfortunately. But I'll just always remember him as uh, the, a kind of the striker who could make re- the difficult look really simple. 
Um, scoring goals is really, really difficult. Lots of players can do all the good build-up work. There are very few whose main skill is finding the space and the movement to be in the right place at the right time. And even when he was scoring scoring goal, lots of goals for us, it's fair to say that he was also missing quite a few opportunities for us. But that's solely down to the fact he would be in the right place at the right time uh, at nearly all of the time. And that's not to downplay the rest of his impact. You know, he, he, he harried really well. His build-up play was good, etc. There's a reason he's brought in as an attacking midfielder because his build-up play is really good. But I would also say it's quite rare for the championship as well, which I think maybe we've seen this season. We've been trying to play a style that suits a different kind of classic champion, a bit more of a classic championship striker. The championship won't have seen many strikers like Timmy Puku, who's not the biggest guy, wasn't going to hold the, bill, uh, the ball up as well as, you know, a Ewan Roberts did or a Grant Holt did. But what he would do is have that predatory sort of Premier League um, instinct to play off the shoulder of, uh, of defenders and find space that other most other strikers couldn't at championship level. And Steve, it, that's absolutely right. I've never thought about it. The fact he was barely ever offside is extraordinary because all of his game is about that sort of one split second decision to when to make the run and, and when to not make the run. Uh, for me, he is top three strikers of my 30 years of watching Norwich City up there with Grant Holton, Chris Sutton, I think. And I don't think anyone else really gets close to those three in that time. I love that. Uh, I'm going to use the podcast to uh, say the things I forgot to say in my video verdict on uh, last night because there were one or two. Um, uh, one of which was the you know Temu did miss some chances yesterday, and I know he wanted the goal really, really you know hugely, um, and everyone seemed to be trying to make that happen. And he, he even he himself admitted he probably was trying too hard to do it. Um, but maybe that was slightly symptomatic of what it's been like the last six months, sadly. Um, and we can't really get it, really get away from that. Uh, it has been like months since he scored at Carrow Road, hasn't it? Uh, can't what, well, in fairness, Norwich haven't scored themselves at Carrow Road for about eight, eight, nine hours now. So you know. September was his last goal at Carrow Road, I think. Yeah, there was a great, uh, there was a great moment in this. A great moment. I say great. I don't mean great, but it was a great moment in the second half where Adam Eden was breaking through. Tamu Puki had to make the same run three times because Adam couldn't find the pass to play him in. <laughs> And then I think something happened and it just didn't happen. I was like, literally, Emmy Buendia has played that pass for like five times in the time it's taken you to try the first one. Never mind not doing it twice. No, no, no slight on Adam, but just where they were. Yes, just Steve. just a, a, a couple. Well, I mean, you've, you've sort of um, referenced them both really between you, but um, so, I guess when, when the really legendary players leave, you, you kind of think... I don't know. I sort of almost think like, what are they, what will I remember them for? And, you know, what are the things that they've produced or have happened with them that, that may never happen again in my lifetime? And I think that the, I suppose two things really stand out. The, the transfer, which Dan mentioned, and the fact that he came in, basically, I mean, I know he was first team when he came in, but as Dan said, he came in as an attacking midfielder and he, he was the best player in the entire division and broke our goal scoring record in one season. Now, I cannot believe that we will ever have a transfer of a player who has come in with no fanfare. Like, I think we were 
I was probably calling him Timu Pucky at that when he signed. Didn't know who, really who he was <laughs> beyond the fact he played for Celtic a bit and was Finnish. And and for him to come and have that level of impact, Emmy was slightly different because I think there was a little bit of buzz around Emmy before he started. But Puki was literally signed as someone who had kind of played at the top level and not really done anything. And I don't think there were any expectations there on a free and the impact that he then had. And then the other thing is is his partnership with Emmy. And I don't know whether we will have two players, you know, people talk about Wes and, and Holty, um, but I don't know whether we'll ever have two players that dovetail and suit each other's game as perfectly as those two did. Emmy set him up 16 times, watched a lot of those goals back there. Very, very similar. Lots of slide-through passes. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I think when I think back to Timu in 20, 30 years, though, those will be two of the things that I remember most. It was, uh, there is a piece on The Athletic uh, from last week uh, with tributes, or just just Daniel, Daniel Farker, Emmy Buendia, uh, Christoph Zimmerman, and Paul Warren um, talking about Emmy, uh, about Tamu Pukki. Uh, it said a lot that those guys wanted to, to talk to me ab- about him. Um, uh, Paul's was kind of a, a bit left field, I suppose, inclusion, but it br- brought a really lovely context to what Tamer actually delivered. And obviously, Paul Warren is an Orange fan, so it, it, and enough of an Orange fan to talk about it as an Orange fan, which I still find strange because you know he's an actual elite football manager. Although, um, do feel for him after Derby missed out on the playoffs the other night, uh, which is obviously tough. Um, so give that a read because I think, uh, and like you, Steve, watching those goals and that connection between Emmy and, and Tamer is obviously something incredibly special that we all enjoyed at the time and um i remember when he was signed because that summer you're right there was a lot of buzz around emmy signing and i think they even before i found his name out which i tried really hard to find out uh, i knew that there was this la liga player that and it was la liga too although he was with getafe but anyway yeah la liga player that they were genuinely really really excited about um whereas Tamu just he I, I ran the holcomb 10k it was a burning summer day and literally, I got to the finish line, and this signing was announced that no one had heard of. I think they kept it incredibly tight because mm. they just didn't want it to get out. Um, and yeah, it was like it just completely under the radar. And then off you go. And um, the, the one, if you can just indulge me for a second, the one thing I, I probably feel quite a connection with Temu because within uh, two weeks of being at the Athletic, you know, it's the second game working for the company. Um, Temu scores his first goal against Newcastle and my editor says, oh, we have to do something on Temu's background. Now he's a Premier League goal scorer. Find out who he is. You have to go to Finland at some point. He then scored his second goal and he said, oh, yeah, no, I, I do actually think you're going to need to go to Finland quite, you know, probably soon. We'll have to sort that. Then he got the hat trick and he was like, right, you're going to Finland this week. <laughs> I was like, what? I don't even know anyone <laughs> in Finland. I don't know where he's from. Um and having then, you know, spent that week trying to work out how to get there, being there, speaking to people and putting together stories, just it was, it was a very satisfying career uh, moment. But uh, it, it was just, a, I think, said a lot about where Timu would come from and just this clamour in the Premier League for people to find out about him. And it was probably that the, the first time and maybe the last time there was real interest across the country from something to do with Norwich City other than how they'd sort of got it. You know, it was really like, who is this bloke? And you know, to score a hat-trick in the Premier League, you know, it was like 26 years the last time Norwich had done it um, or a Norwich player had done it. So, yes, special, was, as, as, as was it all. Maybe not so much the scenes, but anyway. I was just, just going to ask you both if you had a favourite, like, game or goal of Tamu's, if there's anything that particularly stands out uh, from five years. Dan, don't know if there's anything for you. Yeah, I think... Um... 
because I think this is a goal. It's not his best goal. Um, it's not his most famous goal, but I think it sums him up is his uh, goal at Ellen Road in the 3-1 win, uh, which, you know, obviously was, you know, the biggest game of that season in 1819 when, and I was there and everyone, nearly everyone in, uh, in the away end didn't realise it was a goal. Everyone thought it was either going out for a corner or someone was offside mm-hmm. and then suddenly Timu's wheeling away, celebrating. But it's but because it kind of, it wasn't showy. Um, people didn't realise it happened. It felt sort of innocuous in some ways. Uh, it felt like a very sort of Timu Puki style goal. He just did his job. When everyone else switched off, he did his job. He was in the right place when Pontus Janssen left him. Timu Puki just stayed there knowing this will probably be where the ball came. And that's where the ball came. And he scored it, as he often did, scored in really big, against the really big teams in whichever division he was in. And was again in the right place at the right time. Love that. Um, as I mentioned in my video verdict, his first goal against Preston, I remember seeing it on his left foot. So such a precise, pure finish. Just thinking, wow, that is a that's a proper finish there. Um, Were you right behind that in the press box? You must have been sort of. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and then it. there is an there's also an angle from behind from behind the shot as well, or in front of the shot, I think. And there's just something about it. And, you know, you could probably have brushed it under the carpet had he have not, you know, scored ever again. <laughs> but the fact that he then showed he had that ability uh, was, 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 was there for us all to see. Uh, Emmy Buendia mentioned uh, Temu's goal at Stoke um, in the second uh, championship season, which is a brilliant goal. And I think that said a lot about both of them. I'm glad that Temu got to talk about his goal at Old Trafford because I thought that was a really good one as well. And also the goal that should have stood against Spurs, which also still riles me. Um, and I think that season, there were, Norwich drew at Leicester and uh, Tom Tribal won the ball in midfield brilliantly, played a quick ball through, the, through between the lines to Emmy Buendia, who played it perfectly weighted through ball to Temu one touch slots it into the far corner by Casper Schmeichel and you're like that that should have been something they were they were capable of more often that year and you know there were times when they were but I think they were a much better side than last season Hmm. so um sorry all my screens have just gone off and I don't know all right there we go all my screens just went off and I was in the dark but you can see it's funny Temu Temu Funny you mention Leicester there because they Emmy and Timo always reminded me of Mares and Vardy when Leicester won the title. Just Vardy playing off the shoulder and Mares coming in off the right and finding those little through balls, sort of thriving off that. And I've said this before on the podcast, but after our first season in the Premier League when we were relegated, I'm amazed someone like Leicester didn't come in for him when he was what Mm -hmm. 31 at the time. Still had probably two two seasons, three seasons left at. Premier League level, I was absolutely amazed of all of our players that season, you know, of all, including our young players who we did sell, that no one came in for him because yeah. he proved in a side that was really struggling, he could score goals in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Do we think Tamu drinks Skittle vodka as well? Was that, do you think that's part of uh, his diet, the Vardy style? Yeah, <laughs> without the Skittles. Um, uh, so that's okay. Yeah, Steve, you did a brilliant thread on all of uh, Tamu's amazing stats. So people should look at that, that on uh, on Twitter. Uh, where do we want to or will we see him rock up, do we reckon? It's an interesting question. Where's he going to go next? He's going to take a holiday. I don't think he's that... Uh, he has, certainly hasn't decided yet. So, um, I mean, is Munch and Gladbach 
uh, a realistic option? I'd be lying if I said I didn't ask Daniel that when I spoke to him. <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't answer. So um, mm. maybe, who knows? I think that would be a great shot. But... Yeah. Uh, just, a, just somewhere where a team is set up to score, to set up strikers like him would be great. And he and he's happy and he's smiling again. I, I would pro- my hunch is the MLS. I think he's probably quite keen on a stint uh, in the States before settling back in Finland. Um, but wherever he goes, I just want him to see, see him happy for the last what, two, three, four years of his career. Well said. Um, and that would be lovely. We'll see where he ends up. Um, and obviously he's got stuff to do with Finland as well, which is very exciting for him. Um, I mean, the scenes, you know, they were there. There were some great moments, obviously. It was noticeable, though, that within five to ten seconds of him walking off the pitch, it just <laughs> went went to sh- uh, you know that it, and I mean the get if we just now sort of turn it away from Timu to to what he's leaving behind. Um, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I don't I don't know what I don't really know what to do with it now. I mean that the, the the mitigation is that. It is an absolute shower at the moment. I guess the players were all like, well, who knows if we'll still be here. I guess David Wagner's basically said, I don't even know if I want any of you, maybe like six. Um, and so they're going to do all this rebuild, but they're going to have to sell people to fund this rebuild. Um, the football was a bit all over the place. Norwich did create chances, but I mean, they also played with basically a rest defence of two people. Um, I and, and and they lost one nil to a side that have already been relegated to League One, who had even less to play for. Um, I, I, I you know, if they don't get this summer right, they, they where are they? Oh, yeah, what do I mean? What what do we say? They, they, yeah, for the, for the listeners there, Michael sort of paused with his head in his hands at the middle in the middle of that question, it's just out of total a, exasperation. I think it's been a long ten months. Yeah. yeah, I mean it really has. Remember, like I was saying this to Ben during the game yesterday. Milot Rashica was playing for us at the start of the season, which seems weird. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Tamu was kind of like a one-man human shield, really, for uh, the abuse uh, that I think the. Uh, board and Stuart Webber and maybe David Wagner would have got so I think he was quite a welcome distraction on the day um, and I also if- by the way he, he asked to come off with 10 minutes to go so they yes. were probably willing to keep him there <laughs> for as long as possible I think that was what they would he have liked he had to ask to come off and then within 10 seconds they were singing about Stuart Webber I mean, to be honest, though, the, the, the sort of most quietly devastating chant of all was the Farkas on a horse one, which just like, I don't know, I just felt really sad. Um, I mean, they went more route one at Stuart Webber after that, it must be said. Um, but but I, it really I think it just hit home, like how great that season was and how far we've fallen in the space of um, <laughs> of just four years. Um, yeah, I mean, it was another pretty lame I mean we've we've seen the it's reading from the same playbook they were quite good for the first 10-15 minutes conceded a dreadfully simple goal oh and then just and then just didn't bounce back against you know a Blackpool for uh, not bad for a team that went down but they didn't look anything special um we had 28 shots in the game which seems absolutely insane although a lot of them must have been from like 30 yards who did um we Norwich Norwich had 28 oh. shots in that game. That's weird. Yeah. T- Tamu had eight. I don't think he's ever had as many without scoring <laughs> before. Uh, which I <laughs> think mostly just out of sheer desperation. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what more we can say about this team and the direction that they seem to be heading in. Uh, basically, the break is cannot. So thank God it's here, really, because I don't think we can take much more of this, really. Dan, anything to add? Oh, no. <laughs> no. Not, not a, certainly not about the game. No, utterly uninterested. Uh, I was as, as uninterested as the players seem to be. Uh, well, the Norwich players anyway. Blackpool players seem to be um, uh, significantly more interested in it than than we were. Uh, I, yeah, it, it's it wasn't. Re- it's all about the next few months now, isn't it? It's the next two months that uh, are absolutely critical uh, to get right once again. And we've been here a lot of times. Uh, we need a. <laughs> it's a sliding doors moment this summer, isn't it? Get it right, and we've still got the bones of a, a squad. Um, and the attraction of a very good of a very good uh, training ground, and still one of the bigger clubs in the uh, championship, despite who might come down uh, this this season. So we've still got the ability to uh, look forward with positivity next season, but we've also very much could look forward with a lot of negativity as well if they if they do get the recruitment wrong. And James' husband coming on for Blackpool really was a <laughs> reminder of how wrong recruitment can go um, under the <laughs> current regime. Um, uh, as as it has under every re- regime at some point for a club of our size, so yeah, it's it's sliding doors at the moment, and I'm sure we'll get on to be, get on to talking about the summer at some point. Well, the, their husband may have been the best left back on the pitch yesterday, given <laughs> he was up against uh, McCallum and you knew less, neither of whom covered themselves in a lot of glory, didn't they? Savage. Well, Savage. they did. I, I, the 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 other thing, and yeah, let's not pick over the bones of it too much. But the the thing that worries me tactically about Wagner is in like when he's been successful before his teams have have employed quite a ruthless high press and made it very difficult for teams to play that was what his Huddersfield team were like from memory I don't have any the kind of figures to back that up but and, and it seems like we're sort of setting up to play that way but the only thing we're missing is doing the actual pressing bit so teams just play through and at our back foot, even, you know, a team like Blackpool, who with the greatest respect, have gone down, were just able to get our back forward such ease. And I don't think that, I mean, I don't know. Is it a personnel thing? Are they are they not being drilled properly? Do they not have the energy to do it? It just seems like we're setting up to, it's not like Dean Smith, where it's like, uh, I can't work out the game plan. I sort of can see a game plan, but it's just, not being executed at all. I have a I have a view on this. It might be wrong and it might be unfair, but I I feel like having listened to people and spoken to people and, and reading between some lines that there was the initial impact that was really promising from David Wagner. Then he sort of got stuck into what he wanted them to do and how he wanted them to set up. It wasn't really working, and I don't know how much the players were really, you know enjoying you know grabbing it so i think we've then ended up in a situation where either they don't want to or they can't really do it or the mood wasn't right for them to do it so now it's like we need to change this and we need players who can so it all comes down to now whether norwich can bring in a load of players that will do what david wagner wants um and can physically do it i think Uh, which i think is why we went so quickly from or let's keep going to, no, everyone's got to go. Change, 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 I think. That's just my view. Um, obviously, always open to um, alternatives, um, more accurate accurate views if there are some. 
Well, I think I think you're right. And but there's two significant concerns about that, isn't there? A, we've won one in eleven. So should we be trusting a manager to get it right? This preseason is going to have to be the Beatles, the Spielberg of preseasons. Um, <laughs> the Spielberg of a spiel seat. Um, no, it doesn't work. Okay. And if he does get it right, or rather, the recruitment's got to be so. Uh, uniquely sort of structured to get the players in that Wagner needs to make his system, his pressing system work. And if it does work, there's still a concern that, uh, sorry, if it doesn't work, there's two concerns. We're, we're rubbish. But also, we then are left in the position where we have to bring in another pressing coach or we change again and change the recruitment again. And I, I said this on the last uh, time I was on the podcast, but... Um, so either we just absolutely embrace the fact that we are now, now going to recruit players who are excellent at pressing, work within that system, sort of really quick counterattacks, work well through transitions, etc. And this is what we're going to be now for the next five, six, seven years. However well it goes with Wagner or not, this is what happens. Um, we've got to stick to the philosophy. Or either that, we just get rid of the Band-Aid, uh, get rid of Wagner and set up again. But whatever we, we do, we have to stick to the same way of playing um, over the next sort of iterations of managers because we've not done that from Farker to Smith to Wagner. We've not done the one thing that the sporting director is there to implement and that's consistency of head coach. And that's got to start now. Otherwise, even if we're successful next season, we'll find ourselves having the same conversation in three years, two years, four years' time. It'll just repeat itself unless we set up uh, to back the same kind of philosophy throughout the club. Speaking of the sporting director, uh, there was a supposed there was supposed to be a protest at two pm outside the director's entrance. I don't think anyone bothered really turning up. You were going to lead it, weren't um, you? Oh uh, yeah, that was the joke. Yeah, I had things to do, <laughs> but um, uh, the ninety minutes of football inspired them to try again. <laughs> so they loitered and did it at full time, and then, you know there were probably about fifty people out there, probably maybe like only twenty of them being vocal, but you know. There were, Certainly people stood there. Uh, they brought a bed sheet. Uh, I didn't really see what it said on it, uh, but they did sing about the fact that they'd brought their bed sheet, which I thought was uh, you know, a, a useful piece of humour. Um, so, you know, it all seemed very, uh, you know, tame, but that's probably because, you know, no board directors actually walked out in front of them, which might have been a, a sensible idea. Obviously, it's uh, to have that going on at the final home game of the season and the final game of the season and the players all being booed at full time and it's not ideal uh, progress or an ideal situation to build off um Stuart Weber will be speaking to the local media I have received the email so I assume I'm invited uh that will be in a couple of weeks time so uh, how many questions exciting. are you allowed to ask um I will assume this time I won't listen to anyone and just assume I can ask however many I I want obviously in an order we'll see how it how it pans out I don't know anything about it the, the fact that it's in a couple of weeks time tells me that uh they're hoping that there will be some good news um before we then get to talk about everything because then you know it would obviously be churlish to talk about the past when the future is so exciting. That's how these football narrative work narratives work. So uh, I will obviously endeavour to also ask questions about the past, but um, providing I'm still allowed in. 
maybe I am currently eroding my my chances of going by talking about it now. Who knows? Um, but <laughs> Your yes, questions that... might be vetted before you uh, enter the building. Well, I'll make sure everyone knows that if that happens. Don't worry. Um, I will be planning to ask uh, questions as normal. And, uh, and, uh, but that will be... It's a really interesting moment. Um, I'm sure Stuart Webber will do in-house media as well, and he'll do loads. I don't know. I'm guessing he'll do everyone. They'll probably do media before they do the media. So, you know, do the in-house stuff out first, maybe. I, I don't know. But um, it would just be very interesting how it all plays out. Um, uh, and, yeah, we'll see how one, it goes. One possible positive, well, it, it, one positive thing is that they do seem to be addressing the fact that there needs to be a change. Like stuff is happening now. It's not happening a month from now. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I it wouldn't happen a month from now anyway because I wouldn't be on holiday. But I, I, I feel like things are there. There is a recognition that there needs to be that things need to happen. Um, and I should probably ask the question just because I've been asked it a couple of times over the last few days. If I would know. Is there, I mean, I presume we are setting up for both Wagner and Weber to be here at the beginning of next season. Next time we do a podcast, uh, the two of them will both still be in position. Do we think that's what's going to happen? Obviously, who knows, but it's looking likely, right? Uh, yes, I would say I would be. I think uh, a few, two or three weeks ago, maybe after the Swansea game, I was a bit like, Poor. is he gonna, is Stuart especially going to hang around for this? Um but I think now it seems much, it seems very secure that Stuart Weber will still be at the club come the end of the next transfer window, for example. And um, in those circumstances, given David Wagner hasn't had a preseason, I think they're just, they'll be in a position where they just assume that David Wagner will get a full preseason, work them hard, and then they'll get a proper go at it. So, yeah, that would be my answer to that. Um, Should which you, I do think, you think, what, do, oh, you, sorry. do you think, Michael, with that? Wagner should have a preseason after that sort of run of defeats because if I cast my mind back and obviously Farker had 10 defeats in a row at the end of the Premier League season but A, that was the Premier League and B, it was in lockdown which none of us had ever experienced before whereas this is in the Championship a division we should rightly expect to have done much better in. Uh, the, the, one of the things at the moment I have issues with have is I don't know what the expectations are. Like I, I, I don't, I don't see this as um, the same sort of building block as Daniel Farker's first season. Personally, I think they're in much worse shape, and there's too many downward, downward forces at the moment. Whereas I felt like even though Daniel Farker was working through a first season, the forces were still kind of there was enough new new stuff to kind of pull them up a bit. Although losing 5-1 at Sheffield Wednesday probably wasn't ideal than selling James Madison. And I remember saying, actually, if you sell James Madison and Josh Murphy, you need to make signings that will replace... You need to get that spot on because if you take out those goals from the team and don't replace them properly, you'll be in a relegation scrap. So they did because they signed Emmy, Kenny McLean, uh, Tamer Bookie, Tim Krull, and they did do that. Um, so that's the sort of thing they've got to do this time, really, if they want, you know, they've got to get it right um i I, there are huge question marks over what they've done and also the fact that this david wagner is he capable of doing what he's done before it's all very well saying it it, it happened like this at Huddersfield, but you know that's a long time ago and he's had jobs since then and it's been difficult for him so i think there's a massive question mark but I, i think there is mitigation in that he clearly doesn't think this squad is capable of doing what he wants and he wants to change it all so um you kind of have to stick or twist. I can understand why people at the club would feel that he deserves that, but you're kind of damned if you do or damned if you don't. Um, 
the issues are kind of a bit greater than that. And and that's why to me the expectation now is a couple of seasons of just trying to consolidate and and gain some positive momentum into whatever you are trying to build. I, I just don't think a promotion challenge next year should be expected. It could happen, but it should be literally treated as a as a surprise if it does. So that's where I'm at. And that's obviously quite a tough sell. <laughs> So there we go, but I'm not selling it. So, uh, but uh, one thing you do need to do is make sure everyone enjoys it and feels that it's worth them being season ticket holders. And uh, I would like to know how many of the uh, current season ticket base have have felt it was worth it these last two years, um, even just from an enjoyment perspective, uh, maybe an engagement perspective as well. Uh, right, how about the things we are not going to talk about? Let's rattle through some of these. 42 minutes. Oh my Lord, let's do this quickly then. We've got so much still to go through. Uh, Norwich finished 13th in the table. Bottom half of the table. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, uh, Gabriel Sara was player of the season, obviously. Did we know that already? I don't think we did. He was player of the season. Kenny McLean second and Max Aaron's third. No NL, no Angus in the top three. Uh, feels about right to me, I think. Yeah. I think I said I, Kenny I, last week, but I, I have no objection to Sarah. I think he has been the best player over the last two, three months. Marquinhos has left. Uh, oh. He left early. Um, that was a good loan, wasn't it? Uh, he, but he has been called up for Brazil under 20s so there we go I'm still getting asked questions about Aaron Ramsey I was like honestly if, if I've, I've written it like three or four times and I'm sure I've said it on here like, what questions are you getting asked about Aaron like, Ramsey why did, they, why did he go and you know oh, okay. why has he got a beef and well, who's Marquinhos anyway um, Kieran Dowell has gone Sam Byram has gone Daniel Sanani has gone uh, Michael McGovern has gone Isaac Hayden has gone and Josh Martin has gone, who, uh, you know, popped up in one of the goals I was watching that Emmy and uh, and uh, Tammy scored. I think it was uh, Tammy's 50th goal. Any of those you want to talk about specifically? If surely not, Dan was. Dan surely wants to talk about Michael McGovern. Uh, well, <laughs> what a guy, though. What a guy. I mean, I was obviously, I worked at the club for a few, and he was just the loveliest man, as everyone says. I was a bit surprised. I thought he might be getting ready to sort of take on a, goalkeeping coaching um, role at, at the club because he was obviously he would travel to Norwich's away games he was heavily involved in uh, the pre-match uh, coaching with Cruel and, and Gunn so I was a bit sad to see him not sort of stay on in the coaching capacity but maybe he wants to do something else um, yeah I mean just and obviously and just to have a third goalkeeper with that kind of experience um, was uh, was just obviously great to have around the uh, uh, dressing room as well. I just wonder how that's going to look next season in terms of goalkeepers because there's a, there's a hole to fill now there, isn't there? And it seems like Cruel is staying by the sounds of it, and uh, so yeah. interesting to see what um, what happens with the with the goalkeeping next season. But yeah, very sad to see uh, Mickey McGovern leave. I, I must admit, Tim was someone I thought might might be going. Um, but now, yeah, like you really, it's I sense that he will be going nowhere. So that's all mm-hmm. good. I like Tim. Um, do you, do you see a way like, he might be our number one next season? Because obviously Angus Gunn is a bit more of a sellable asset now. Well, as I've said, like Norwich want to sell to create this big rebuild. They, they can't pick and choose who other teams and other clubs mm. think are valuable. <laughs> it's all very well going, mm. oh, we'll sell him for 20 million quid. I mean... There are no, pl- I, oh, you know, that that performance on Sunday, Monday, whatever day it was, did nothing for any player on the pitch. <laughs> the best thing that happened probably was Gabby Sarah picking up player of the season award because people will just go, oh, he was player of the season, so he must have done well. Uh, you know, the lazy recruiters of which there are still some. So, um, yes. 
Uh, Sam Byram's a lovely guy. I got to speak to him a few times. I know that he's had a really tough time with injuries and everything, and that's such a shame because I think he always looked more than good enough when he played. Um, so I hope I hope whatever's next for Sam um, is good because I feel like he deserves that. Yeah, that's the only thing I wanted to say. Steve, he's anything you want to say about anyone? Well, just that Byram's had such a tough like time here in that whenever he's played, we've always been really terrible, except for the Man City game, which I think he made his debut in possibly when we won 3-2. Uh, just the rest of the time, and through really no fault of his own, I would say he's been a perfectly serviceable player for us, but always seems to play with <laughs> a dreadful run. So I kind of feel bad for him. Um, and like you say, hope he gets a, hope he gets a good move um, next up. Um we did Dower last week, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. The rest of them feel like they don't really merit further mention. No offence. Uh, Bali Mumba is a champion, a champion of League One. Um, I did afford a slight snigger that Ipswich didn't make 100 points and 100 goals. That's loud. Um, uh, just, to, just to bring everyone up to date, looks like Southampton are getting relegated. So probably have to go to Southampton next season. Um, not sure who with. Probably Leeds, probably Leicester. And then would not, they keep Dean Smith? It's not looking good for Dino and Shaky, is it? No, I don't think they're going <laughs> to keep them up. Real, real shame, that, isn't it? I watched the Forest Southampton game last <laughs> night. And other than, you know, uh, it being quite an enjoyable game of football, my biggest takeaway was there's probably, uh, despite not Southampton being firmly at the bottom of the table now, there's no one in that Norwich side apart from Sarah that would probably get into that team. Which no, no. <laughs> kind of shows how far we've fallen in, but that just, is, uh, in just 12 months or 18 months. That, that is the gap between the top two divisions as well. It is huge. Yeah. Uh, which brings me nicely on to the playoff lineup in the championship, which is Luton, Middlesbrough, Coventry and Sunderland. Good Lord. I mean, mm-hmm. they've all done incredibly well. I spec Mark Robbins at Coventry, just an incredible job. Tony Mowbray at Sunderland as well. I mean, they were, I was really impressed with them when they came to Carrow Road. Mm. Uh, Luton, you know, they beat Norwich twice comfortably. Well, I felt comfortably anyway, at least in terms of, you know, letting Norwich do what they do and then just beating them. Um, but I mean, Middlesbrough are the only lot out of that that would even stand a remote chance of doing anything in the Premier League, it feels like. And even then, they're probably miles off it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, good luck, guys. <laughs> I mean, the, the other—I—I I, I would love to see Luton and, more pertinently, Kenilworth Road in the Premier League. That would be oh. amazing. Um, but the other thing is, Sunderland got there with sixty-nine points, and Derby did not get in the League One playoffs with seventy-six points, which just shows you how—I don't know—beyond the top three or four, just how kind of average the teams up there have been this season. Oh. I remember Michael, you saying early on in the season, Norwich will have to be really bad like can't believe they're not going to get in the top six this season they'd have to really mess it up and <laughs> how right yeah, you were yeah. <laughs> yeah um that would have been in my prediction where i think probably said they would finish fifth and that was me being politically correct because i honestly i did really struggle to see them i thought like eighth would probably be about right even that would have been optimistic you didn't commit <laughs> five did <you>? places <laughs> five places what are they doing Literally, what have they done for a whole season? Unbelievable. Anyway, um, uh, a little word for my first Norwich City hero, Mark Robbins, who I think is champ- should be championship manager of the season for the job yes. he's done at Coventry City in mm. such difficult circumstances. I mean, they didn't play a home game for the first six weeks, did they? Um, because of issues with their ground. Um, and it, I mean, it'd just be great if he manages to get them up. 
what would be unbelievable. And Paddy Davitt would be bouncing off the ceiling. <laughs> says, well, we old Pad. Um, I reckon he'll be booking his trip to Wembley, hopefully. Uh, what else was I going to say there? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. No, that, has it ever been si- as low as 69 points to get in the top six? I, I, I mean, I've done the stories about what the averages were, and I'm pretty sure it was... I can't remember it being lower than I, 70. I che- like when um, Viner came in, I checked that, and it has been a couple of times into the last 12 seasons, I think. It's been less than 70. That low? A couple of times. Less than 70? Oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. Oh, uh, you know, not that special then. Take it all back. It's just an average championship season. Uh, oh, no, it is below average. It's normally like 75 points plus, but yeah, it has happened a couple of times. Uh, Reading, Blackpool and Wigan relegated. Poor Reading. Uh, looking ahead to the summer, obviously links with Ashley Barnes. Yeah, I think uh, I think everyone. Well, I felt like loads of people knew that before it actually became public knowledge. But there we go. Um, then it became public knowledge. So uh, there we are. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't maybe don't mind it. Um, yeah, uh, maybe that will be announced just before we get to speak to Stuart Weber. I mean, who knows? Uh, and there we go. That's all. Anything else anyone doesn't want to talk about? Um, I think you've actually covered literally everything on my everything list in the world. Well, we're almost an hour done and we're halfway through the podcast. So uh, that's all great. Um, <laughs> any topics and comments from the viewers who might still be watching? Oh, geez. They're going to miss yeah. the whole match at this rate. A couple of things quickly on Timu. Uh, Chris Scal says Timu has been the best striker in my lifetime. Um, and we don't know how old Chris is. Might Chris be, is 112. Might be 10 years old. But, um, uh, and Dan Copping says, uh, the huge shame is so many of Tamu's goals came in the ghost season. I, I'm, the COVID one, presumably none of these stick in the memories. We weren't there to celebrate in the grounds. That's yeah, a that's reasonable true. point. A uh, slightly sad one. Um, James Hotchkiss asks, uh, have Leicester hosted <laughs> an evening with Tamu and, and Shaky yet? Um, and Jeffman98 says that Mickey McGovern deserves to be <laughs> on a legends banner um and finally uh stephen simons i think referring to the prize um of the ball oh. shirt for 400 pounds you can buy the current squad so there you go uh, boom, boom. I, uh, I feel like i'd have to ask for their permission yeah. but, um know. loads of good questions but um i feel like if we open the floor to more questions then we could literally be here let's rattle through the last bit um keep a couple of the questions it'd be good to just start, get through a couple of questions if, if they're on things we haven't um haven't spoken about um uh, let's move on to um yeah this this is almost fantasy football uh, uh rather than looking forward we're going to look back in this john watson section uh, which is our end of season awards um i did a piece today which was a season review uh, which had some funny thing. Well, no, they weren't that funny, but it was some stuff on the season uh, in categories, which tends to be how, how our season review works. So that, that could be a, a good, uh, a good starting point, obviously. But um, I don't know if we had any of these, any of these awards we wanted to share. Um, one of them was funniest moment that I did. I can't, I, I, I went along the line of Norwich's defending, uh, just <laughs> either laugh or cry at it. And, like the, um, the, the opening goal at Hull uh, at the start of the season where Max Aaron's clearance against, was it Grant Hanley? I can't remember. Uh, that was, yeah. I think it was on with Amadelli, wasn't it? Yeah. It did really, uh, really got better from there. Funniest moment for me was uh, Huddersfield away in the in the one all, which was uh, your classic good first half, miserable second half, uh, was Han- Grant Hanley uh, lightening up the gloom by rugby tackling Keith Stroud as he was trying to get back to cover in defence. 
probably great took him out. That which probably contributed moment. to uh, Marquinhos uh, unfortunately getting sent off just after that. <laughs> Stroud was probably dazed. <laughs> that is a great shout. I forgot about that one. I really hope Grant did that on purpose as well. <laughs> oh, I reckon so. <laughs> I reckon he absolutely did. Um, another one I had was Unsung Hero, which I just come up with just for the podcast. I was going to give that to the groundsman because the pitch did look immaculate. I mean, there's the sort of things you take in in a season like this. The pitch did look immaculate. Oh, do you remember what I was saying as well about the, uh, you know, the really special goal being a real highlight of a really mediocre season? Mm -hmm. That actually has happened, doesn't it? Are you coming round to the uh, Nunez goal as goal of the season ahead of Sarah then, Michael? No, I've I've doubled down. It's still Sarah. Nothing but stubble there, Michael. (laughs) I saw a League Two player score the same goal. It's like, oh, well, it's not that special, is it? I haven't seen a League Two player score. Sarah's goal was Premier League. League Two player scored that goal. It was was in the same... It was in another... You have to go back to the other podcast. I can't remember. Someone at Northampton, I think. Okay, so I would have said at the time, but I can't remember now. It's two months ago. Uh, Dan, you have the deciding vote on this one, I think. Nunez. Oh, it's, it's, uh, you can appreciate Sarah's goal, but I reckon someone scores that a good four times out of ten. Um, I reckon Nunez gets scored one out of ten at, at best. So I'm going to go with Nunez as the best there we go. of the season. We have a winner. I- no, it's it's an argument I will always lose because I'm not on the populist side, but that's okay. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, uh, moment that will never leave you award. I thought that. I mean, I didn't come up with one because they've all left me. Yeah, I mean, the entire season is. Uh, I mean, um, John John Hare like singing us out on the podcast. That was uh, that that will never leave me as he <laughs> had his get the guitar moment. That yeah. was uh, that was a definite highlight. That was a good one. I mean, it's so. I, think, I, I do feel a bit like, you know, Marcelino was really there in those first few games. It was like, look at what we've got here. And he, I know, I know he's a young kid and, you know, there could be reasons for that, but it, I do find it quite sad that it's just been so plateaued since. Well, that's not because. Well, a bit of hope for next season, I suppose. It took Vrancic yes, and Steepham in a full season to get up to speed, didn't it? But yeah. It is a bit sad. I think the one, the moment of horror that will stay with me for the from this season is uh, realizing that yes, we really were getting an American announcer on the mic for the Tampa Bay takeover, <laughs> which is the biggest sales and marketing dude decision ever. I think <laughs> it was just like it felt like it was at a village fate, and someone was about to announce. Uh, the prize for the biggest marrow or something. It, it had no place. And I know you liked it, Michael, but I, it had no place. I liked place it. And I, I met him. I met him and he was a, he's a lovely guy. And you know what? He was put in that situation and just did a brilliant, the best job possible job. Oh, yeah. And Don't blame the man. Oh, blame the idea. Well, you know, <laughs> do something different. More of an issue I have is this weird bell thing they've started doing at Carrow Road, where they ring the bell like and they say, "We all oh, that's the bell to say that the players are now coming out for five minutes." And then there's another bell, thirty seconds. It's like it's not the bell. Someone's pressing a button of a bell sound effect. I mean, I presume maybe I'm wrong, but it's a bit like, "Oh, there's the bell." Well, and, and well, we're... you know what? Then there is a bit of me that does quite like that and sees what they're trying to do. So now I feel bad because there's a bit of me that does like it. I'd have probably well, liked it as a fan. Oh, I don't well, know. I've well, lost my head. It's been such a long season. <laughs> I don't know what to do anymore. While we're on that, um, not you having an impending breakdown, but the uh, the, <laughs> the routine before the game, um, 
I what like I've, I must have said this before, but why are we cramming on the ball city in to, like when the players are standing waiting to kick off? I find that really weird. Like that should be the highlight before the game, and like we've got to cram in like naming the teams and then the green, yellow army, white stripes thing, which I don't really enjoy. Like I don't that that to me that's got to change for next season if anyone's listening, which they're probably not. Well, they, 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 it depends what they want to hear, I find, <laughs> as to whether they are listening or not. Um, I think we've done all our awards. Um, Zoe did message with her favourite highlights of the season, I think. Let me see if I can find them. While you're doing that, Michael, um, I will just pull up Nolly's, as he's done quite a few. Um, most blatant trade description act breaker, Dean Smith bit cruel but uh maybe not wholly inaccurate uh longest christmas celebration steve um i think another reference to my tree uh most blatant plug michael i've written about that on the athletic hey. bailey and then one more for the record uh he also says goal of the season tampa time back heel monday that was uh pretty extraordinary actually it was indeed and also by far and away a better game than the actual <laughs> game <laughs> which i know it, it struck me that i was looking across and the noise from the crowd I I was like, holy moly, have we got to this point? So anyway. We got yeah, to that point time. way earlier in the season. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, all I'm going for at the moment. That's why I I've renewed my season ticket. I think what happened is Tampa <laughs> Tampa Time raised its game. That was it was the last thing that Norwich needed was Tampa Time to get good. You know, they could have just been as bad as each other. Uh, I'm being harsh. I'm being very harsh. I love Tampa Time. It's fun. Uh Zoe says my favorite podcast moments were must good performance, which was a new uh term yep. coins by mr brigham and uh, i agree we didn't get many musket performances did we? <laughs> oh dear we do need a good job pre-season now though don't we <laughs> well that, that's indeed well said and indeed what you actually wrote in reply and the whatsapp yep. chat um and cfc numbers forcing pookie to leave yes is always yeah. blaming you steve and I've, I've doubled down on that one uh on this podcast as well i'm sorry yeah and uh, and Michael talking to himself for fifteen minutes while he tried to find his script. Oh yeah, that did happen once. Yeah, that that's was the joys of brilliant. <laughs> the joys of watching this podcast recorded live. So there we go. Thank you, Zoe. Um, it's been great having her. Can I chuck in some too. some other awards as well? Yeah, let's do it. Just a couple of others. Uh, I guess Norwich Fashion Week has to go to Alan Russell for his uh, sudden transformation from tracksuit wearing. Uh, coach in the background to wearing a very well what uh, is the word coiffed 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 uh, yeah, suit uh, for his one appearance in the dugout or oh, no two appearances in the dugout two. Uh, two. next to Steve Weaver who who didn't make the same effort <laughs> no he went full Martin O'Neill Paul Lambert Steve Weaver did didn't he I, I think it's the only clothes he owns. <laughs> Uh, another one was uh, another own goal was our chief finance director uh, oh, yeah. off the in his Q&A <laughs> through the club channels, which was somehow, A, he said it, oh. B, was vetted and C, put out. Quite extraordinary. Um, uh, but one good thing was, and they won an award for this, was the kit launch at the start of the season, which was very excellent. And a reminder that our club still gets a lot of things right that a lot of other clubs do not. And that was a very worthy winner of uh, an award recently, I believe. Just to Indeed. end on the Absolutely. positive note there. <laughs> and, and, and that was, that was a, a, a wonderful campaign and uh, it came from a really good place as well. Uh, the kits have all been amazing. Well, I don't yeah. really like the third kit, but certainly the, first, the home and away kits have been awesome. <clears throat> the other thing oh, about that video that sort of went a bit under the radar with um, 
with Antimikins was uh, uh, Richin, sorry, um, was that it, it, someone uh, accused them of saying um, that the season tickets were the third most expensive in the championship, and he <laughs> made the point: no, no, we are the most expensive season ticket in the championship. <laughs> um, just to make it doubly clear that the difference between the price of the football and the product on show was that bit greater. <laughs> I don't, that and so well. honestly, you won't. I don't think another professional football club would have clarified that. I can't think of anyone who would have clarified that. We're all about accuracy. No. All about accuracy and honesty and transparency. So, yeah. fair play. Oh, oh and Sorry, one more story. A Liz, oh, and Dan. A, Liz Truss, a Liz Truss Award prompted by Steve's depressing tweet after the game that um, this is the first time in our history that we've gone without scoring in five successive games at Carrow Road. Um, and so, I'm, I just had a little look and we've currently gone 29 more days without goals at Carrow Road than Liz Truss was Prime Minister. Tremendous. Oh. <laughs> Only that, but it is going to be another... It is going to be another three months before there's a goal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll mind, I don't know if there's pre-season friendly. I don't know what the plan is, but yeah. Um, just a couple of quick awards for me as well. Um, the quote of the year award or prescient quote of the year award goes to, I think, Dean Smith for we'll see a different animal after the World Cup, uh, which we did. It was a... Um, slightly more benign animal than whatever we were before um and also i think the breakthrough of the year just a quick mention was um i think it's worth mentioning the the women the women's team playing at carrow road i think that was uh, amazing um you know scored five more goals than uh, than we have in the last uh, however many days it was dan um so yeah and i think a genuine step forward that so that's nice and, and liam gibbs won young player of the season award which is well yep. deserved as well he's done he's done well this year um Although he did celebrate it by shanking a perfectly straightforward pass out play on Monday, which was quite amusing. Um, there we go. Um, well, that's amazing. Um, Steve, did you go through? Did you? I think you were going to have a look at some of our predictions from the start. Do you want me to? Do you want me to rattle through them as we're? Uh, yeah, an hour we've in? still got Ryan's quiz to go. We do. Yes. Oh, yeah. So um, end of the season party. It'll always go on longer than it should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like every good wake. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I thought I'd just quickly go back and have a listen to our first podcast when um, I think you even said, Michael, uh, look forward to listening back to these. Um, someone remind me. Uh, so, <laughs> so I have. So um, on that podcast were uh, me, Michael, obviously, Hodgie and Zoe. Um, Zoe went fairly um, kind of route one with player of the season for Pookie but said he'd also get to 100 goals so fell a little <sighs> bit short um, and we would finish first and England would win the World Cup so I, I would say a, a typically positive Zoe outlook on that one. Um, <laughs> amazing. Believe me, yeah. they get a lot worse than that. Um, Hodgie, I think, deserves some credit for this because he said, and I've forgotten this, although I'm sure he'll be the first to remember, Gabriel Sarah for player of the, player of the season. Really? Um, Good although, I was, He was still enamoured by his shoulders. I think yeah, he why. did say for the upper body alone. So I think he was basing it more on his oh, physique than uh, his, his playing ability. He literally um, gave it to him for his shoulders. <laughs> Um, he said we'd finish fourth and play Alex Neal Sunderland in the playoffs. Um, Impossible. Sunderland, Sunderland got there, um, so yeah. we'll give him that, but it wasn't Alex Neal Sunderland. Um, I unfortunately rated Sarah as the next Vadis Adija Afoe, 
um, which <laughs> seems to be quite a long way off the mark at this point. Um, I also said, I did say no one was dropping off the page in terms of quality in the championship, that it would be a low quality season, but I picked Borough and Watford to do well. Um, I said that Michael West Brom's fans would be the ones that you most wound up this season. I've I don't know whether... I've... No, I've only wound haven't. up Norwich fans this season. Yeah, okay. So I was no, wrong on that. Yeah. No, the um, problem is Norwich haven't been good enough to wind anyone up, I think. That's the no, that's true. I haven't beaten anyone, have we? Um, and I said we've come fourth and um, I'm going to brace myself for this one. Todd Cantwell would be player of the season. Uh, so <laughs> At Rangers. Really well there. Well yeah, 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 didn't say which club. Um, Michael, you said um, Andy Omabamadeli could have a massive season. Yeah, didn't quite well, He could have done. Um, you said, yes, you were very non-committal. Uh, you said, we might finish fifth. Um, I think you were the closest I of all never, of us. Um, I believed it. <laughs> and when pushed, you said Grant Hanley would be player of the season because you could see it being someone at the back end of the pitch because we wouldn't do much going forward. Um, which... Did I say that? Oh, I've mm-hmm. nailed that, to be yeah. fair. Um, well, we've nailed the second at the back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we won't get at the back either. Um <laughs> Ryan's overall assessment of the season, because uh, both he and Dan left voice note messages, he said that we would have a fast start, an abysmal winter, so pretty good actually up to that point, but then said we'd finish in the playoffs and get knocked out by someone surprising like Hull or Wigan. Um, so or Blackpool. Not... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but... surprising. Yes, but then Coventry would have been quite surprising, I suppose. Um, th- then it, it went really downhill for him, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> as has been referenced many times, Daniel Sanani, player of the season shout, uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't quite happen for him, did it? Um, and he also said that all of our strikers, Pookie, Sergeant, Ida and Hugill, would get gold contributions, i.e. goals plus assists of more than 10. So half right. Pookie and Sargent made it. (laughs) I don't. I think Ida and Jordan Hugo fell short. Um, And then we come to Dan's eleven predictions, which I will get through quickly. (laughs) Um, Please do. Some of these were said in jest. You don't have to go through them at all, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think you come out of it terribly. Um, You did say. Norwich would be in a three-way fight for the title with Borough and Blackburn, but you did add the caveat if Isaac Hayden and Gabriel Sara stay fit, um, which obviously in one case didn't happen. So who knows? Maybe we would have done. Um, you specifically said Sunderland wouldn't be dark horses, but they finished in the playoffs. But you redeemed yourself by saying Swansea would play lovely football and finish mid-table. Uh, which I don't think you could have been any more accurate with that. So that's good. Um, You claimed that Wigan, Preston, Burnley would merge to cut down on the number of (laughs) Northwest trips that we'd have to make. Um, You did leave Blackburn out of that. Yeah. It was just those three that you took issue with. Um, (laughs) uh, And that Pookie would be less sad and be in and around the 30 goal mark. And neither of which really happened. Um, Sarah would be a fan favourite um, and that the Athletic would get tired of Michael Bailey asking for all expenses trips to Brazil for uh, to do some background on Sarah. Yeah, That's pretty much. Yeah. Both correct. And um, Sergeant would be sent on loan to Rotherham in January, which I think you referenced that yourself. And that Paul well, would... Hugill did. So yeah, almost, that's true. Yeah. It was Hugill, almost wasn't it? Did. And mm. that Paul Warren would keep Rotherham up and Sargent would become a cult hero. So if you just change the names to whoever their manager is, Matthew, Matt Taylor and yeah. Hugill, that would, that yeah. would work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I've, I've sort of saved my two favourites for last. <laughs> 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 and Elmer Bamadeli would reap the benefit of our new set-piece coach 
who's not even our current set-piece coach, and break the record for centre-half goals this season. Funny, uh, I just noted that. I just remembered it and noted that down just to, uh, <laughs> just to remind you, but no, you brought it up instead. Um, and I think he scored one, but I, uh, but it was from a set-piece, in fairness. Um, and that Todd Cantwell would dye his hair green and yellow and hit double figures for the season, brackets, as will Rashidza. Um, oh yeah! Oh. yeah. I, mean, I, I, well, I hope I pulled figures for the season. I hope <laughs> yeah, you I've... may have done. Well, that's true, actually. Yeah, for a different club. Um, anyway, um, well, I think that just goes to show if us, if us bloody experts can't get it right, what hope is there for anyone? <laughs> Uh, same time again next season. Yes, please. <laughs> With the predictions. Um, and thank you for going to the trouble to dig them all out, Steve. That was brilliant. Well, luckily, um, we did them all in one pod, which helped. This is true. Uh, we've done that. Um, <laughs> let's get on uh, finally to Ryan's quiz. So Ryan has done us a quick quiz. It's not a long one. Um, <laughs> just brace yourselves. It's, it'll take, it won't take long. Uh, let me hand you over to our quiz master, Ryan. Yes, there he is. Here he comes. Hello, Michael, Steve and Dan. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast this season. It's been a genuine pleasure, even if the football hasn't. So there's that. But I'm going to play us out with one last quiz for this year. Now, this is a game of Linky and the premise is simple. I'm going to give you three clues which you will use to work out three separate Norwich City players. But the winner of the quiz will be the first person to guess what connects these three players. So without further ado, here they are. Okay, question one. Former City forward, who was arguably the best Christmas present Norwich City have received this century? Former City forward, who was arguably the best Christmas present Norwich City have received this century? Now, it struck me we probably should have done this at the start of the podcast and then we could have (laughs) revealed the answers at the end. But let's let's just brush over that, shall we? I think that one... That one's not too bad. I think I think getting the names is 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 all right. It's the connection. Have you already listened to this, Michael? Well, yes, because I had to prepare the podcast, so I do know okay. the answers. Okay, that um, does give you a slight advantage, I'd say. Well, I'm not competing. <laughs> I'm not competing. Oh, it's uh, just me versus Dan. Then this is a head to head, pretty much. Okay. Uh, so that was number one. Let's get number two. Uh, come back, please, Ryan. There he is. Uh, which it'll be this one, yes. Okay, question two. Former City striker, now big brain thinker, who is the only player to have scored a hat-trick in all four English divisions, the FA Cup, the League Cup, and for his country. There we go. I don't think that's too bad. Let's get on to number three. Third and finally, former City captain, whose career has taken him from tyres to Thailand to the Premier League. Former City captain whose career has taken him from tyres to Thailand to the Premier League. There we go. So there's three players you should have. And then there is a link between all three. I think the link is hard to get. But I think, the, that, 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 you know, I think the players are all there. I'm do you both think, do you both? One. Are you? Tyres, yeah. I feel like I should know it. In that order, tyres, then Thailand... Oh, no, no. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, To give you a clue, I've got a pretty massive head start for the third one, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Have you got three, Dan? 
Yes. Well, I think okay. I have. Yeah, I think I have. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Steve, do you want to give us? Do, do you think you've got the connection, or do you want to wait a little, work a little on that a little bit? I mean, I've got a very sort of loose, pretty, tame connection. Should we? Well, no, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we haven't got anything else to do, which is why we should have come back to the end. That's my fault, but that's fine. Um, have we got any connection? No, I, I mean the they're all sort of strikers but that's not going to be all right (laughs) Uh, okay um let's i'll i'll just have a look at some were were there some questions that were starred let me see if i can um alfie green will i'll leave these two to think about those things alfie green will norwich sign any good players this summer alfie that's always the favorite part of a summer (laughs) transfer window who knows you can think they might be good and then they're not you can think they're gonna be rubbish and then they're really good it's really hard to say. There are so many uh, side issues that come into good recruitment, which does make it very difficult and why you will never have a 100% success rate. Um, I hope that... So, for example, Ashley Barnes, you know, the guy will be old when he comes in. Um, uh, so that's you know, can be a negative. But, of course, if he's then fit all the time and, and does what he can do and provides some real qualities like leadership and experience at the club and Daniel... Uh, Daniel, David Wagner feel that they're missing then then it could be a good signing if he doesn't play much Are we allowed to cut across you if we think we've got a link? Let me answer one let me answer one well if you think you're there Dan let Dan work on it a bit uh, unless uh, there's anything else to ask he says oh no I think we're pretty covered there Thank you for all your comments and questions, everyone. Good fun. Uh, right, go on then. Um, yeah. So you think you've got a connection. Dan, do you think you've got Let's, a connection? No. Should I give the three players? So I'd, <laughs> And then, Steve, you give the connection? So you look like you're contributing. Yeah, yeah my no, connection no, may no, be no, wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I tell you what, Dan, you do the first one. Who do you think the first player was? So that's Hux, Earnshaw, and Holty. Okay, gone all three. That's fine. Uh, and then, Steve, what do you think the connect? Uh, they were the three players you had, I presume, Steve. They were the three players that I had, uh, albeit with some help from Dan. Um, I well, they've all played for Forest, I think, oh. as well as us. Is that right? That's the only uh, one I think yeah. of. But I didn't think that was probably. Okay. Well, I suppose with these things, um, there's maybe more than one connection, but you have to get the right connection. Okay. Uh, I think now is the time to hand over to Ryan with the answers. There he is. Just look at his face. Okay, so the answers now, they are, of course, the first answer, Darren Huckabee. Number two, Robert Earnshaw. And number three, Grant Holt. And I'm sure you guys got those without a problem. But the connection between the three of them is they are forwards who all scored on their final Norwich City appearance. But they did so away from Carrow Road. So even though Timmy Pukki didn't score on Monday, at least he got the send-off his career deserved, whilst those guys didn't, sadly. Thank you so much, guys, for a wonderful season of On The Ball. Uh, here's to the next one. Ta-ra! Brilliant work, Ryan. I didn't get that. Uh, it's a fine link. I just love this image of him so much, which um, I, I will put up on social media, because I appreciate if you're listening to this podcast, you can't see 
the image of Ryan that is currently on the live stream. So there we go. I'll, I'll do that. I'll put I should, it on the socials. I should just add for the for a, a, a slight clarification is that Holty didn't play in Thailand. He played in Singapore. Just oh, anyone was going to go away and Google it. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, we've got all summer to stew on that, just like the Blackpool performance. <laughs> so, um, Ryan, thank you so much for the quiz. Uh, guys, um, well done for taking it on. And what a fitting tribute to this season that uh, Dan and I made a complete horlicks of uh, getting the answer right. <laughs> uh, no comment. Um, okay, lastly, I've got here, lastly for the podcast for the whole season, the one thing that we want come the start of next season. What do we want? What do we want it? And when do we want it at the start of the season? Anything? What would, you, what would, we, what would I like? Bef- like before a ball is kicked. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, some hope, yeah, I, you know, your, cla- uh, your classic hope, isn't it? Some fun new signings, hope. a couple we won't have heard of, a couple of uh, can I swear, a couple of shit houses like Ashley Barnes. Yeah, well, you just did, we've, so. we've missed that, we've missed that sort of uh, personality of a I should have said personality, not not the yes, yeah, it's too <laughs> um, late now, you know, yeah, I, yeah, just you know, and inevitably, <laughs> we always enter seasons full of hope, but hopefully, um we'll see a team that's taking shape and looks like they're going to be fun to follow again. Yeah. Lovely. Um, I, I think that a kind of a coherent strategy and a sign that we know what we're doing a good preseason would be good. Um, maybe a nice kit or two as well. You know, everyone likes a good kit launch, don't they? Um, yeah, that'll, that'll do me. And, um, and obviously uh, the promise of another season of on the ball podcast, because um What's the point of following this club at all if uh, if we don't if the podcast doesn't exist, right? Exactly. Well, the public will need to silence. Get, public, get in get in touch, public. Tell us how much you love this podcast and that it has to carry on. Well, um, uh, let me lead you on to Dan S, whose uh, first name and surname are suspiciously a combination of mine and Dan's. Who says, <laughs> "Thank you for this season. Your podcast has been a constant bright spark in a dark season." Thanks all smiley face. So there's some sickening self-promotion that I've just pulled up there. But uh, yeah, I thought it might be nice to end on a high, right? Much like a bright spark in a dark cave filled with gunpowder. Thank you. That is lovely to hear. (laughs) May we we continue on. Um, But I think much like Tamu Pukki, a a summer of doing nothing sounds lovely. I mean, obviously I I won't be doing nothing, but um, maybe not doing a podcast. Oh, we can we can address that then um, after our lovely break. Um, that is it then, isn't it? For another season of On The Ball, we're done. The Norwich City podcast that is already looking forward to the next August meltdown. That's not the tone. That is not the tone, Michael. Sort yourself out. A uh, big thank you to our guests this evening, which was just the two, of, uh, the three of us, but that, that's fine. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for this and all of your contributions. Thanks so much, Michael. Been a real pleasure all season. It has indeed. Steve, I couldn't do it without you. Thank you for the numbers. Thank you, Michael. I couldn't do it without you. Thanks for the words. Oh, that, that did actually work. Thank you. Sure. Um, and I should say thank you to every single guest that we've had on. I can't think of anyone who wasn't awesome. Uh, the messages, the comments and the interaction we've had from everyone watching and getting involved. Uh, that is obviously really important and makes it all worthwhile. Uh, we have had a blast 
on this podcast uh, this season, which does truly make it better than the actual football. <laughs> that will be the last dig, maybe. Uh, have a brilliant, inspiring summer. And yes, I'm also talking to Norwich City at this point. Uh, and here's to the return of the championship shenanigans come August. Until then, don't forget the signed shirt and ball auction close at 11.59, which is almost the end of this podcast. Um, that's UK time on Tuesday. And of course, never mind the danger.